0: You wake up in the morning and find that your alarm didn't go off. As you're rushing around, getting ready for work, you stub your toe. You miss the bus. The next bus is late. You miss the connecting train. You're late for work. You get nothing done at work. The boss is on your case. You come home to a large bill in the mailbox, and on top of it all, it looks like you're getting dandruff. Sometimes there are things that go wrong in our lives. And that's some very simple and some very minor things. But what about other things that have a greater impact on our lives? People can do things that can hurt us and cause a great deal of harm in our lives. Um, Loved ones around us can die, and sometimes for seemingly no reason at all. What is going on? What is happening in these kinds of situations. This morning, the message is titled, When Things Go Wrong. When Things Go Wrong. There are six reasons why things can go wrong in our lives. And I'm going to go through all of them one by one. The first one, and the one that applies in very many of the situations, is that it's life. Life happens. Things can go wrong just As a part, a natural process and a natural part of life. Luke chapter 13 and verse 1 says, There were present at that season some that told him, Jesus, of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think you that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. It wasn't because they were bigger sinners than anybody else that these things happened to them. It was because of life in general. It was because of things that were happening. It wasn't because they were specifically targeted And chosen to have these things happen to them because of something terrible they had done. But it was because life happens to people. Bad things can happen that can affect lots of people. And we as the church are not exempt from them. God will protect and God will keep us from many things. And only when we get to glory will we know just the extent of what he has done in our lives and what he has protected us from, but that does not mean that he completely takes us out from the world or the effects of things that are happening in the world. Things like flus and pandemics, rate rises, market drops on housing, all of these things can affect a lot of people and it's a part of life. These things happen and affect many people, even everybody sometimes, depending on the extent. Sometimes things happen at the worst possible time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that God is against you, or that Satan is having a go at you, or that you or anybody else has sinned. In the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon wrote, in chapter 9, verse eleven, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favour to men of skill, but time and chance happens to them all. This was written by a backslidden King Solomon, but the principle remains. The You can prepare all you like, you can do all your research, and you can have everything in place to be a success in whatever you're trying to do, but that doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen that can cause things to go wrong. Time and chance, circumstances, things can happen. Sometimes things just happen that affect us and it's life. It doesn't mean that we've necessarily made a bad decision ourselves or that other people have made bad decisions or that we or anybody else has sinned or that God or Satan is involved. It's just life. But what we need to know is that God is not surprised by anything. When something happens to us that's bad and it's just a part of life, God isn't there saying, Well, I didn't see that coming. Sorry about that, I feel bad for you. No, he knew it was coming and he allowed it to happen. He chose not to protect you from it this time. And that means that it won't destroy you. And that God wants to use it for a greater purpose in your life, to build your character. So often our first thought can be to blame God or think that he has somehow caused it. I don't know why, but it's just such a natural thinking to start blaming God or anybody else or anything else and i guess our reasoning behind that subconsciously is well he's got our lives in his hands right he's promised to protect us and keep us safe from harm right well god has promised us that we'll never be tempted above that we are able and he has promised to provide all our needs he didn't say immediately though but he will he said he'll provide all our needs But he hasn't promised us supreme protection from everything and from everyone. We don't live in a Jesus bubble where anything that could ever hurt or harm us bounces off. If we had that, we would be spiritually spoiled kids and we would never grow. We would become arrogant and look down on people that are having problems in their lives. It's only by going through things ourselves that we can have compassion. We learn to have compassion. We learn to put ourselves in people's shoes and be able to encourage and lift them up rather than tearing them down. Jesus knows what he is doing and he has a purpose in building our spiritual character through the normal course of life as well. So when you miss the bus or a connecting train or something goes wrong, it's not God's fault. If you find yourself starting to get angry or annoyed, take an internal check of your own attitudes. Are you expecting everything to go right just because you're a Christian? Or because you feel like you're close to God? Think again. That is not going to happen. Allow your internal and immediate reactions to these things to be a spiritual weather vane for what you most need to change in your life. God will use these trivial things if we will let Him to help us get rid of some bad attitudes and attitudes and thought processes in our lives. Leading us close a bit by bit into that perfect image of Jesus. The second way that th- bad things can happen is that Satan is trying us. Yes, we have an enemy. Yes, we have an accuser. Satan, the, the word Satan is accuser. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He will try and want to tear us down in every way possible the best and most popular most uh, used example is job job was a righteous man god himself says that job was righteous there was nobody else like him in the earth but satan and, and he'd put a hedge around him to to protect him and to bless him and and satan said hey if you take some of this stuff away he's going to curse you and so job lost His children, he lost his herds, he lost his flocks, he lost everything that he had except his wife, and he still worshipped God. And then Satan said, well, you know, okay, he did okay there, but if you, you know, if you let me um, touch his body, then he's going to curse you. And so he boils from head to toe. And he sat down in sackcloth and ashes and he worshipped because he was righteous and because he was not going to let anything stop his his worship of God. And then he had some friends that came and uh, tried to uh, comfort him uh, in the best way that they knew how, in saying that he must have sinned and that this was all a result of what he had done wrong. But in the end, Job was justified and his friends, well, God asked him to pray for his friends. The important thing to note in this account is that God was always in control. In every trial of Satan, Satan had to specifically ask God to allow it to happen. God had put protection over Job's life because he was righteous so that Satan couldn't touch him. Satan had asked God each time he wanted to bring another trial on Job. He couldn't just do it. God would not have allowed the trials and temptations to come Job's way if he knew that Job could not handle it. First Peter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Satan will try us, try to get us to get a bad attitude, to leave the church. will bring things on us that we don't know what's happening or the reason why. But the stuff that he tries us with, the things that go wrong, are all the same things that the general population have to deal with as well. So blaming God or leaving the church won't help your situation. It makes it worse. Because when you leave the church, you leave the protection and blessing of God in your life. You leave the victory that God will bring in His time behind. We need to allow God to work with us when these things happen. These things that are, are there to strengthen our faith, to to make us stronger in Him, to be able to, to resist the devil, to be able to fight against anything that comes against us. But... When we allow a bad attitude to come, then Satan will start to win that battle. It will be a time of testing, but God will never allow us to go through anything that we're not able. Satan cannot touch us without the permission of God. And so we know that God has it in control. We know that God has our lives in control and that what he allows against us will never take us away from him. Because God knows we can handle it. The third reason why things go wrong is our sin. Things can go wrong in our lives because God wants to deal with sin in our lives. It could be judgment for our sins or it could be God trying to get our attention that we need to change. It's not always judgment. Trying to get our attention that we need to repent. If you know that you've got sin in your life... The things that go wrong may not be because of that sin, but you should let those bad things lead you to repentance so that you can experience the blessings of God again. God will let things happen to us if we're in sin to bring us back to Him. There is a purpose. There is a plan. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, starting from verse 1. The apostle Paul is writing, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He was saying when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, God did all many wonderful, powerful things for them and provided for their lives and did everything that was necessary in their lives. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be you idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur you as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples to us. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. There is a warning that God actually judged the people for their sin. He did so many things for them. He blessed them. He, he restored them. He brought them out of a nation that had them in bondage. But And He kept them. He provided for them. He gave them food. He gave them water whenever they needed it. But they chose to walk away. They murmured. They complained. They decided to, to take um, leadership of the people of God And God brought judgments on them because of their sin and their unfaithfulness to God. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If we are proud, if we think that nothing can touch us, if we think that we're going to stand no matter what, especially if we're in sin, we're going to fall. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge you what I say. You see, God will make a way to deliver you from any sin. You just need to be repentant and determined to follow Jesus again. We will be tempted sometimes. We will be tried, but that doesn't mean we have to give in. Just the fact that you were tempted doesn't mean that you have sinned. It's what you do with that temptation that counts. If you stand against it, if you resist it, it, the Lord will provide that way of escape that He talks about, that we do not have to sin. Just because we've fallen before, just because we've fallen a hundred times before, does not mean that he will not provide a way of escape if we will resist that temptation. James 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then further down in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. We have a war within us between our flesh and our spirit. We want to do the things of God and our flesh wants to do what it wants to do. But we do not have to give in to temptation. The first law of sin is, don't do it. Just don't do it. It breaks your relationship with Jesus and he can't do anything with our lives until we repent, humble ourselves again and come back to him. But when we do, when we learn to resist temptation, he will make us spiritually powerful. He will will make us patient to know that He will deliver us if we don't give in to that temptation. Experience is everything. And that He will give us a consistent and powerful walk with God. The things that happen to us because we sin should be a powerful uh, force to bring us back to God and um, and to overcome sin in our lives because He will deliver us. The next one. Number four, other people's mistakes and bad decisions can cause things to go wrong in our lives. This can be hard to take. Often, unless we are very deliberate about forgiveness, it can lead to bitterness. Most of the time, it seems to lead to an attitude of blame and self-justification and feelings of victimization. It's not my fault I'm this way. It's the fault of my fill-in-the-blank. My brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my grandfather, my aunt, my uncle, my friends, my workmates, my boss. God will use these situations to mold and shape you to who he wants you to be. Despite what has gone on before, no matter how bad it was, he wants to show his power and his ability to heal any situation, both in you, and through you to others who have gone through similar situations. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10. But you have known, fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. This is Paul speaking. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, with persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution is one less one less personal example of other people's mistakes and bad decisions. But we can be hurt in powerful and debilitating ways by the people that we most trust. Even by complete strangers or worldly enemies as well. Even people in the church can make mistakes and bad decisions that affect us personally. But we have the choice of whether we take it personally or not. We choose how to respond to these words and actions. As Christians, Jesus has given us the power to forgive anything against anybody. And that's not to say it's going to be easy, but he has given us that power. Because he went before us and went through the same things and was willing to forgive them enough that they were also offered salvation just like everybody else. Many of those that were saved on the day of Pentecost where people who had been crying out, crucify him, crucify him, along with the Pharisees and Sadducees just 50 days before. When Peter accused the crowd of crucifying Jesus, which was true, they realized what they had done and asked Peter what they could do to get forgiveness and make it right. Men and brethren, what shall we do? They couldn't go to the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they were the ones that had instigated the whole thing. But Peter let them know the way of salvation that day, and many responded. About 3,000 souls. They had a part in killing righteous Jesus, but salvation and forgiveness were still offered to them. They had been a part of causing Jesus to be put to death, but they were offered salvation just 50 days later. That's the kind of forgiveness a follower of Jesus must have. Jesus wants to heal and deliver you from blame, self righteousness, which is another form of pride, and bitterness. Because they will destroy you, and Jesus has so much better things for you than that. Forgiving others will never be easy, but Jesus went before you and has given you that same power. He was victorious, and you will be victorious as well as you allow Him. You just need to decide to use it. That's all it is. It's a choice, it's a decision. And Jesus will help you the rest of the way. He'll start to bring that change inside you that needs to happen. You have to let Him start the healing process of forgiveness and it will have an incredible impact in your life and in the life of everyone else around you. Number five, things can go wrong because of our own stupid mistakes and bad decisions. This can be the hardest to reconcile. Our stupid mistakes and bad decisions can have lifelong consequences on ourselves and others that are of our own making. In In an incredibly extreme example, if you decide to drive off a cliff, there are going to be very natural consequences that God will not keep or protect you from. Your car will almost certainly be destroyed, and you and any passengers in the car will almost certainly die. You see, God gave us free wills. We talked a bit about that in the teaching this morning so that we can choose to follow and worship Him. But having free wills means that we also can, for whatever reason, make bad decisions and He will not stop us. He may check our spirits. He may try to warn us, but if we decide to do something stupid or leave the church, then He will not force us or stop us. That is a decision that He made at creation. It is incredibly painful to him. It's like a dagger through his heart, but he will let you go. God may be merciful to you in time, but he is not required to do so. But if you let him, he will build your character through these things. He'll build your character once again through those worst mistakes when we break ourselves before him, when we pour out our hearts to him, our regrets, our failures, our mistakes, he can pick up the pieces of your life and make something beautiful out of it. And number six, the final one, is that the final reason that things can go wrong is that God is testing us. We are called the children of God in the Bible. And... When we think about a natural relationship of a parent and a child, there needs to be growth in children, growth in personality, growth in character, growth in abilities. But if we do everything for that child, then they're going to grow up not knowing how to do anything. In order for the child to be useful to society, in order for them to be able to handle the things that come, the natural things that come their way, we need to help them to grow. We need to let them go through a few things. We need to get them a bit uncomfortable, to get them to do things for themselves, to learn, to be able to do things in the right way at the right time. We need to teach them. And that is not always an easy process. The child does not always know what is going on. But... As a parent, we want to do that for their own good. We see the picture, the bigger picture. We see where we need them to be, and so we start to put things in a place that will cause them to be out of their comfort zone, that will cause them to grow. God is no different. He is a loving Father to us. But if He did everything to us, if He kept us from everything, if He did not help us to grow, then we would not. Become what he wants us to be. We will be useless in the kingdom of God. We will not be able to help others. We will not be able to bring people to him. Jesus made a way for each and every one of us to have salvation through his death on the cross, burial, and resurrection. But he didn't save us for us to stay the same way that we have always been. The idea is that we are growing to perfection. Ephesians 4 and 13 till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stat, of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. He doesn't want us to stay as children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ." 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He wants to bring us into perfection. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought us again, or brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. First Peter 5 and 10, By the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that, He's provided all your needs. No, after that you have suffered a while. made you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus is trying to change us into His image, not into our own image, or a better version of our image or a saved version of our own image. He wants to make us like him, his perfection. And that cannot come without discomfort, without pain, without suffering. We need to be tested by Jesus. That's when he works on what we need to change the most. And when he's finished with that, sometimes he comes along and pokes that thing that he knows we need to change. He and. And he doesn't do that so we will fail. But he wants to show us through our own reactions to, to, to what happens in our life that we need to change. He's trying to get us to see where we need to change and so that we can start growing, so that we can give it to him, so that we can allow him to do what he wants in our lives. That's what he works on what we need to change the most. And when he's finished with that and you grow in him, then he starts on the next thing. He wants to grow you to perfection. We will never reach it in our lifetimes but we can get a lot closer than when we are now, if we're honest with ourselves. And the best thing of all, if it's God doing the testing, he knows exactly how far to go and how much pressure we need to grow. He won't do anything that will destroy us. He's doing it all for our good, our perfection, to be able to do his work and his will in a greater and in a more powerful way. If we could all stand this morning, if someone could come to the piano, please. Things will go wrong in our lives, but God has a purpose and a plan in every single one of them. Even if it's picking up the pieces, even if it's helping us to go beyond where we've been able to go before, and He desires for us to grow. He, he wants that more than anything. He wants to, to bring us into His image. He wants to make us so that we will be strong. We will be secure in Him. We will be able to put our faith and our trust in Him. No matter what goes wrong, that we will not start to blame God or blame Satan or blame someone else or blame the situation but that we can look inside ourselves and say, God, what are you trying to do in me? What do I need to change? My reaction has has been stinky. What can I change in myself? And he will use all of these things to draw us closer to him if we will let him, if we will not become bitter, if we will not throw our hands in the air. So I wonder how have you been reacting to the things that go wrong in your life? Jesus wants to use them to make you more like him. But if we resist, if we blame, he can't do what he wants to do. So I invite you to come. I invite you to pray. I invite you to pour everything out before the Lord, how you felt, how you've reacted, how you've been. up.